Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit. Genesis 50. The 24th through the 26th verse. And Joseph said unto his brethren, I die. And God will surely visit you and bring you out of this land unto the land which he swear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. And Joseph took an oath of the children of Israel, saying, God will surely visit you, and ye shall carry up my bones from hence. So Joseph died, being a hundred and ten years old, and they embalmed him, and he was put in a coffin in Egypt. So far the text. Trust me, I've been preaching long enough to put this together. Our subject this afternoon is a, a bit long, but you'll get the point. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, neighbor. Going, in going in is not so bad, not so bad. when you have a promise, have a promise. Of, coming out. of coming out. That's our subject here. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Going in is not so bad when you have a promise of coming out. In preparing uh, for today, I asked the Lord and Pastor Goff, I, you know, I, this is quote-unquote Good Friday, although we know he didn't, wasn't killed on a Friday, because that would have been impossible. You can't squeeze three days and three nights from Friday to Sunday. We know he got up on Sunday, because that was the first day of the week, but that's, I'm not here to teach that Bible class. I'm just happy that they allow us to recognize that he went into a grave. But the Holy Spirit kept promoting um, Joseph in, in my spirit as I began to inquire of what to preach. And um, I'd read um, 
something else and I knew I was it was going to be too long if I tried to put all of this in here. Uh, but let me just succinctly deal with our thought today. Joseph was put in a pit. And unbeknownst to him, that pit was part of his promotion. As they often hear me say at PC, that everyone wants to do the will of God, we just don't like God's route. <laughs> when Joseph left home that fateful afternoon, he had no idea that would be the last time that he would see his father for more than 17, 20-something years. He would never see his father again. Ran into his brothers, and his brothers hated him. When the anointing of God is upon your life, you have to learn how to become unbothered when folk don't like you. Now, if you understand why they don't like you, then it should stop you from trying to get them to like you. with that. Behold, the dreamer cometh. Uh, let's kill him and then we'll see what becomes of his dream. Reuben says we can't kill him. He is our brother. But they grabbed him, ripped the coat off of him and cast him into a pit. Remind your neighbor of the subject. Say, neighbor, it's, it's not so bad going in when you have a promise of coming out. Yeah, go, going in is not so bad if you have a promise. So they throw him into the pit. The Midianites come. He's sold to the Ishmaelites and becomes a slave. But in that text, it says that they drew him out of the pit. I, I, don't, I don't know what pit you're in, but what I am here to tell you is that God is going to draw you out of it. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now he has lived his life he has been reunited with his father, with his family. He has seen his sons grow and have children of their own and even great-grandchildren. He is 110 years old and he tells his family 
I'm going to die. But he says, I need you to promise me something. Because God is going to get you out. It was God that got you in. I said, it's God that got you in. And if he got you in, surely he's able to get you out. You see, the problem, I think, with Christendom today is that we have the wrong definition of success. We have allowed the world's definition of success to become our definition of success. We have allowed what they count as making it to be what we count as making it. If you have a certain income, if you live in a certain zip code, if you drive a certain type of car, if you have a certain type of office, if you eat at certain types of restaurants, if you carry certain types of credit cards. I mean, they just asking you all the time, what's in your wallet? I'm sitting at the TV saying, what business of that is yours? This is designed to define what success is. So if you meet certain criteria, then you can consider yourself successful, which can be diametrically opposed to what the scriptures say. I feel like preaching now. So without going through a whole lot of stuff, repeat after me. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor. The definition that we will use of success is obedience to God. I can have, Lord have mercy, I can have a whole lot of money, but money does not necessitate a fact that I'm successful. Just like being broke don't mean I'm successful. I want to be where God wants me to be. Lord have mercy. And if being in a pit is part of the protocol for me being where God wants me to be, then it's okay going in. is not so bad. Lord, have mercy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. I'm trying not to holler, but I feel like hollering. Am I successful when I'm in a pit? If it's where God 
wants me to be? The answer is yes. In a situation trying to gauge my success by what the world gauges their success by causes me to be in a wrong place because it's the wrong test. Albert Einstein said, if a fish is given a test of climbing a tree, then he'll be unsuccessful all of his life. You have to present the right test. You got to understand who you are and why you are where you are. I'm not going to preach long, I promise you. Just give me 15 more minutes. I'm going to put a bow on it. And so it is that while he's in the pit, he's still successful. When they trade him and sell him for about 20 pieces of silver. Sound for me, doesn't it? Um, that time, he's still successful. When he goes on the block in Egypt and a man by the name of Potiphar buys him. The Bible says in the 39th chapter of Genesis that he was bought by Potiphar. He is for all intents and purposes a slave. Potiphar owns him. He paid his money and bought him. But in the second verse it said, but the Lord was with him. And the Lord said that he was a prosperous man. Oh, y'all. How in the world can you be prosperous and you just got sold? How can you consider yourself prosperous and somebody is standing there saying they own you? The reason I'm prosperous is because I'm right where God wants me to I'm successful I know I'm losing my pride here I'm successful because even though I'm by myself I'm not by myself even though I'm owned by Mr. Potiphar I really belong to God so I'm not fighting where I am because I know I'm right where God. I know I'm right where God wants me to be. And I know I'm right where I should be for this particular period of time. But what I have, what I own, the position that I'm in, the money that I make, I, uh, I wear it loosely because I'm not caught up in what I have. I have the kind of relationship with God that lets me know that where I am now is not where I'm going to end up. that lets me know no matter how successful you think I am, 
I have another vision that this is not the end. I don't know who I'm talking to right now, but would you look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, the preacher told me to tell you that where you are now is not where you're going to end up. Where you are now is not the end of what God is trying to So Joseph says, I'm getting ready to die, but I'm not worried about that. Yay! Because I have a promise that goes beyond this external, contemporary existence. The promise is still out there. So I want all my people to make me a promise. Because God is going to visit you. And when God visits you, he's going to take you to the land that he promised, he swear unto Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He swore it to my great-granddaddy. He swore it to my granddaddy. And he swore it to my daddy. I believe that uh, God cannot lie. So even though I'm getting ready to be placed limpless and lifeless into a to an Egyptian coffin, going in, it's not so bad. Because I got a promise. And I want to make you all promise that when God visits you, that on your way out, stop by the burial ground and be so gross as to exhume my body and take out the bone and carry my bones with you. All right. Eli, Eli, Lama Sathbathani. In my opinion, this is the apex of the suffering of Christ. This is not to minimize the loneliness he felt when he was betrayed by Judas and deserted by his disciples. This is not to imply the distrust he must have felt when the crowd that just days earlier had strewn their clothes in the streets of Jerusalem along with palms shouting Hosanna. Blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. By no means is this to detract from the pain that he felt as they whipped him all night long until the flesh was ripped from his bone. Nor the excruciating pain he experienced of having a crown of thorns crushed 
upon his head. Not to talk about the three-inch spikes that were put in his hand and put in his feet. Don't even bring up the spear that went into his side. That he was unrecognizably bloody. But I think all of that compares, lacks in comparison when we see that the lights in heaven were turned out and darkness covered the earth and Jesus cried and he didn't let the pain go unnoticed. He didn't whimper it out. He cried with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That was the pain that was unbearable. You see, I can make it as long as I know he's with me. <laughs> I can make it as long as I can feel his presence. I went to the garden alone while the dew was still on the rose. Wants to understand that he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me that I'm alone. Oh, I, I, I can handle it as long as I know in a very tangible way that he's there. It's when he won't talk to me. It's when I can't feel him. It's when he won't allow anybody that I've helped along the way to call me to even give me an encouraging word. It's when he won't allow folk to text me, to FaceTime me, to Facebook me or whatever it is y'all doing. It's when I can't receive any encouragement and I can't, as Job says, I go to my right and he's not there. I go to my left and I can't perceive him. I back up and he's not there. Oh, that I could have an audience with God. Oh, that God would just let me know because I'm in a situation. Now, what's so wonderful is that Jesus did not allow his circumstance nor his emotion to overwhelm him. I'm closing. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, some things you just have to know. Mm. 
You can't go by a sign. You can't go by feelings. You can't go by how many friends are still with you. You can't go by how much money you have. You can't go by how accepted you are. You have to go by, I know what God has called me to do. And you have to stand on the promise that God has made you. And you have to recognize, I know that people are feeling sorry for me. I know they're talking about me. And I know they've taken the words that I've spoken in my pain. And they're trying to use those words against me. Because surely Jesus did say, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why can I not feel your presence? Why am I here all by myself? Do I have anybody here that's ever asked God why? Y'all not hearing me. I know in, in religious lore, we were taught never to ask God why. But that really doesn't make sense. Because if I can't ask him why, how will I ever get an answer? And Jesus being our uh, a premium example, hangs on that cross and says, Lord, why? Yes. And sometimes we will not get the answer to our why. But we have to learn to trust what God has already told us. Oh, Lord. He's in the garden. And he says, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass. If there's any way for me to get out of this deal and still be successful in what I was sent here to do, then let this cup pass. But nevertheless, not as I will, but thy will be done. Why don't you look up toward heaven and say, Lord, nevertheless, I know I'm hurting right now. I know I wish there was another way to get out of this. But nevertheless, I don't have anything else I'm hanging on except the promise that you made me. I'm going to say it one more time. I said the only thing that I'm hanging on to is the promise that you made me. I'm going to try it one more time. The only thing that I'm holding on to is what you promised me. Help me, PC. Put your hand on your ear and say, He cannot lie. I want you to understand 
that if God has ever made you a promise, if God has ever told you he's going to do something, put your hand on your ear and say, and he, oh, he cannot lie. No matter how the time has lapsed, no matter how bad it is, whatever the Lord, I feel like preaching now, whatever the Lord has promised to you, he's going to do it. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, get up from there. Get your shouting shoes on. Get happy about it because God has made you a promise and he cannot lie. Throw your head back and give God a shout of praise. People want to know why we're so happy about this day. Coming in, I heard on the radio that many are going and over in Jerusalem carrying crosses to reenact this day. They're going up the Via Della Rosa, which is the way of suffering the way of the cross and they're carrying crosses on their back oh lord and i know you just want to have a good cry because of the suffering of god but oh lord jesus asked the question why and people want to know why did he have to suffer like he suffered and I'm going to give you the reason why he was wounded for my transgressions he was bruised I thought y'all wanted to know why for my iniquities the chastisement of my peace was upon him and with his stripes I am healed. Oh, Lord, I want you to understand that I'm not a masochist. But what I want you to know, it's not so bad going in when you got a promise of coming out. Yes, no matter how dark, no matter how tough, oh, no matter how long I'm a whole owner cause I got a promise that this too shall pass ah, Lord yes yes so I apologize if I shout because they stabbed him I apologize if you hurt because I smile when I see them putting the thorns on their head. Yes, he did it for me. He did it for me. If he hadn't died, I would still be in my sins. If he hadn't bled, I would still be in my sins. But oh, Lord. 
Lord, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, pardon me if I dance because he died. Everybody stand to your feet. Oh. Hey. Thank you, Jesus. Whoa. One of the reasons that I can get happy is because God had snuck a verse into the Old Testament. It went something like this. My flesh rejoice and my heart rest in hope. God will not leave my soul in hell. I don't hear nobody talking to me. That was a messianic psalm. God is not going to leave my soul in hell. So what the believing knew is that he's going in, but he already got a promise. Grab the hand of the person standing next to you. Reach across the aisles. Everybody touching somebody. This day is necessary and worthy of being memorialized. Because if there's no going in, there cannot be a coming out. Paul so attaches our salvation to the resurrection because he says in, in 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, that if he did not come out of the grave, then we are yet in our sins. Sharing with the church and Bible study, Louis Farrakhan is now saying, he to Christ. We know that's a lie. And he's saying that Jesus didn't die. We're living in the last days. But what I want you to know is that we celebrate, hear what I'm saying? We celebrate the suffering. Say that one more time. We celebrate the suffering. The disciples 
after they received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, were told, don't preach, don't teach in that name. And when they kept preaching and teaching in that name, they got beat. But in that fifth chapter of Acts, it says that they rejoiced because they were counted worthy. They were counted worthy to suffer. The cross, by no stretch of the imagination, is something that was worthy of salvation until Jesus hung on it. He changed the meaning. is everyone that hangeth on a tree. But when Jesus hung on that tree, he changed it from an emblem of shame to a trophy of glory. I got to stop. Father, in the name of the Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. And I pronounce deliverance in this place today. That this word would give faith to those that are in a stage of suffering where it seems as if they're by themselves. Give them to know that your word is still good. Yes, Lord. Thanks for tuning in to the Revival Tabernacle Podcast. Wherever you may be listening from, we hope that this message encourages you in the unwavering, unconditional love of Jesus Christ. Join us as we reach sinners, raise believers, and release leaders. Please enjoy the message from the RT Pulpit.